Hi, welcome to Matters of the Heart and Soul. I'm your host, Janie Charlotte. Matters of the Heart and Soul is a podcast to raise awareness and awaken humanity to all that is within. We want to be a beacon of light on your life journey. Hi, welcome to Matters of the Heart and Soul podcast. I am your host, Janie Charlotte, and co-hosting with Russell Bruce today. Hello, everyone out there. So on today's podcast, we are talking with Mr. Paul Debnan. Um, he is a political activist currently in Brunswick, Georgia, working on the Ahmad Arbery investigation. So welcome to the podcast, Paul. Hey, hey, everybody. How you doing? Glad to be here. Yes. So Paul is a very good friend of mine, actually more like a brother to me. And uh, we speak a lot on a lot of different issues that are going on nationally and internationally. And uh, earlier today, Paul was down in Brunswick, Georgia, riding down the street where the Ahmad Arbery uh, tragedy took place. And uh, just felt it would be a good thing to kind of share with all the listeners out there. And uh, we'll give you a little background on Paul. Paul is the CEO and founder of the Deadman Group. And inside that group, he works a lot of his political activism. He's worked with the likes of John Lewis, former Atlanta Mayor Bill Campbell, uh, former Democratic presidential nominee John Kerry. He supported him in his campaigning and strategy uh, techniques down in Fort Myer, Florida. And uh, he's also done a ton of work in the entertainment and athletic segment as well with NFL and NBA athletes. Paul, once again, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to be here, Russ. It's a blessing to be around to to talk about the issues that we're dealing with in, in the 2020s. Okay, cool. So let's jump right into it. You're down there in Brunswick, Georgia. You've been down there all day today, out and about, speaking to people in the neighborhood and on the actual street where the uh, tragedy took place, the home that they said that uh, Ahmad actually went into prior to that kind of instigated a lot of this, possibly. Uh, What's the atmosphere like? What are some of the conversations that you've had with the locals there and some of the people who have actually embarked on the city to uh, take part in all this? Well, actually, first, I must say that the atmosphere was kind of bittersweet. You know, it's a really nice area surrounded by water. There's a lot of nice trees. The homes are, are nice. Some of the people are nice, but it's just sad that to know that not so very long ago that a brother left his home to take a jog and uh, some really bad things happening. He never returned. And uh, my whole thing was just to go down and, and experience and, and travel the same route that he traveled and, and to to reflect on possibly what he was thinking about and and um, how it all ended so tragically. And uh, it was just a bad situation. And, and I was glad to have the experience and talk to some of the neighbors and back to, 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 to be factual a lot of the neighbors were nice there were some nice neighbors and and i was able to see the home that he you know lost his life at 
and the people were nice enough to allow other family members and friends to to do a little um, ceremony for him there. Leave you know there were crosses and flowers laying in the yard. So I mean it was just a, a unique feeling to to actually be there, and uh, we got to do something to make sure that doesn't happen anymore. Wow. So based upon some of the facts that are forthcoming because it seems like every minute there's something new that comes out and um and i'm sure each day we're going to continue to get more facts and you know other curves that may sway the opinion one way or the other uh the fact that those who i, I would like to say hunted them down but until i get all the facts can't say that the fact that they're white he's black of course race is going to be the issue according to the people there and the people that you spoke with and the information that you've been able to obtain how much did race play into this well it's interesting because it is a uh, predominantly caucasian neighborhood um, from my understanding there are out of probably Fifty to sixty homes are three black families that uh, reside there. However, there are some. A lot of neighbors were state were stating um, today that they were against what happened, and the fact that uh, no matter what they're claiming that he did, because you know we can't, he can't come back and 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 defend himself and say what he did and what he did not do. I don't see any reason for anyone to take a lethal weapon and, and, and take someone's life. Uh, I didn't see any reason for them to even follow him. They assumed that he was in a abandoned house that was having some construction um, going on and um, he left the, that particular location and the next thing I know, well, the next thing I was informed that, and we've seen it on the video, that he was chased down by two men on a pickup truck, one white guy also filming, and he lost his life. So it's, it's just a sad situation, and until all the facts come out, we can only guesstimate. But I do know, I don't care what, what comes out, I um, can never believe that that was the only uh, decision that they could have made to to take his life. Yeah. So some of some of the names here involved. Let's get some of the key players out here. Of course, Ahmad Avery is the the deceased in all of this. Uh, Gregory McMichael and Travis McMichael were the father and son. Gregory uh, McMichael, the father, former. Uh, police who actually worked for the DA. And that's that's that we'll talk about as well. Uh, Travis McMichael, the son, was the actual shooter. And um, then the third person, and so far it hasn't really been proven whether or not he was with the McMichaels or just somehow happened to just join in. He, according to him, he's stating that he was in his yard and he's seen that they were pursuing this guy and he ended up getting in his vehicle 
and began to film. But according to uh, one of the McMichaels, they stated that he actually was assisting in them in chasing him down and kind of blocked him off, I guess, at one corner, which caused him to run the other way. And um, they kind of boxed him in. But um, that guy now is saying that he's fearing for his life, William Roddy Bryant, who is the guy who actually filmed it. So I have a lot of questions in reference to the timing of when the video actually surfaced and did he actually turn it in or did somebody else actually get it from say social media or him texting it to somebody else? Because you're hearing different stories that, you know, it was almost like one of those things that they bragged about it for a minute and it got out there. I'm not sure how true that is. That's he said, she said at this point. But it seems like this guy's story is going to play a big mm -hmm. role in, you know, how this story actually unfolds. Yeah, what, do you know, what do you know, I, if anything, about the William Roddy, Roddy Bryan guy? What I do know, um, there were some gentlemen looking for his home. He does live in a neighborhood. And what I do know, he is in hiding. He He feels like he's needs to lay low until things blow over. However, you know, if you were not guilty of anything, I'm thinking, why would you not come forth? So that, that speaks volumes about the fact that he's, he's hiding. And if he was innocent, I mean, there's nothing to hide. I mean, you come up and you come out and you say, Hey, I didn't do anything wrong. Uh, just filmed the situation, but uh, there's more to the story. Uh, the fact that he's not, coming forth and we don't I don't know how the video uh, landed into the public um, however it's just really bad and, and we're gonna have to wait it out but in the meantime we're gonna have to do everything within our power to make sure this, that this does not happen again and from this point on that justice will be served and, and there's different levels of um, reacting and proacting in terms of what has happened. Yeah. Well, I did see uh, some video footage this evening in reference to William Roddy White, where he and his wife are both saying that they're actually in hiding because they've been getting death threats. So they're afraid to stay at their home. And she stated that they've been living out of her car. I think it's his wife and not his girlfriend. Not 100% sure on that one. I think it's the spouse. It was a spouse. Mm -hmm. And um, she stated that, you know, every now and then during the day, they might sneak back to the house to pick up clothing or whatever. But he stated that he, he was afraid for his life. According to his, his attorney, his attorney claims that he's been cooperating with the authorities and that, you know, they're trying to make him look like the savior because they're stating that if it wasn't for his video that, you know, they wouldn't have anything, you know, because the only other person that could ever that could actually bear witness to what happened is dead. So, yeah. So that's what they're trying to stand on. And of course, his attorney is going to come out and say all the right things to try to protect him. So we'll see what the defense has to say about that. Yeah. And uh... so, um, 
Paul, uh, just tell us a little bit about your part as far as political activism. Um, what made you kind of go out there and ride your bicycle and want to be into the energy of that? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked that question. Having that, I've spent so much time um, being around Congressman John Lewis and hearing stories about <clears throat> Dr. King and hearing how he lost good friends trying to fight for the rights of black folks and and knowing the stories about the Edmund Pettus Bridge and hearing personal stories about Dr. King. Well, <clears throat> this is um, a new civil rights. Uh, it's the same, but uh, a different kind of uh, fashion. And uh, I felt like I had to do something. Uh, I had to do something. And, and uh, knowing that what I know, I wanted to come firsthand and see it myself. I didn't want to hear the media. I didn't want to see what's going on on TV because I've been in politics over 30 years. And I know how the media can can spin things. So the mm -hmm. best way to find something out is to go down personally and talk to the people, get the feel of the community, <clears throat> see um, what the layout of the land was. And that was my goal. And I wanted people and media outlets like yourself to, to be able to talk to me and I can give you the truth and, and tell you exactly what it felt like and and tell you how the community is set up and how the people, you know, there's there's hate in, in the air in, in this particular part of the country, but there's always good people that uh, are involved as well as there's always bad people. So the thing is um, that my goal was just to come and and do what I can do. And and, and this is just the beginning, you know. I, I wanted to, to to travel the same route that the, the young brother who lost his life, Mr. Amara. And um, tomorrow I'm going to go and do the political uh, aspect of it and in terms of Calling out the DA's office, the mayor's office, and pulling them pulling them out on the carpet, saying, "Hey, we need you guys to resign, and we need you to resign immediately because it's only going to get worse the longer you stay on." I'm just one guy, but there's a whole lot of guys behind me that's on the way, from Jesse Jackson to some other people that will be coming down, and that's what they don't want. They don't want. They want it to be the, the quiet, sleepy neighborhood that, that, that it's been for the last 20 or 30 years. Well, now the world knows about it, and uh, we can't just mm -hmm. sit back and do nothing. You have, to do, you have to react. Let me ask you a question, Paul. What do you think is the reason why... Well, well let me share this, and then I'll get your take on it. So some of the things that I, I've seen in reference to this case is that Jackie Johnson, who's the current DA there, there in Glen County, and she's actually been holding that post for 24 years, and they pretty much said she's done it. She's been unopposed for 24 years. Uh, McMichael, Gregory McMichael, the father actually had worked for her. Exactly. So, so she somewhat protected him, but at a certain point had to back down because of the personal interests. The second DA that kind of stepped in, their son and uh, Travis McMichael, the son of Gregory McMichael, 
or best friends or good friends. Exactly. So they had to step down. So now the third person is coming in and now trying to put everything on hold due to the quarantine with COVID-19 and push it off to a later date. And how is that playing out? And baseball and your understanding of all this, how does that play out? Well, it's, it's kind of very similar to a filibuster where if you go before the Congress and you want to bring a point across, anybody can get up there and just start talking about uh, Disney World or talking about <laughs> Old McDonald's Farm. And, and by the time you use up your time, you have gotten you have not gotten anything accomplished. Well, that's basically what the DAs did. They recused themselves. Um, it was a game, and the game worked because it's all about delay, delay, delay. So once you recuse yourself and you pass the ball into the next DA, and they all know that they all know each other, well, no one's going to do their job. And and this person lost their life, and 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 it tends to work in favor of the person who's potentially guilty, you know, mm-hmm. and it works both ways. A lot of times when you go to a particular jurisdiction and you get in trouble and I may get a call and they may advise, they need advice on which lawyer to get with. You don't want to get a lawyer from out of town. You want to get a lawyer that goes to church with the DA, who plays golf with the DA, who went to high school with the DA. And sometimes that 90% of the time that works in their favor. This time, it worked in the killer's favor because they knew all the players. And that's, that's, that, that is what happens in small jurisdictions where anytime anything happens within the community and that particular person is connected to all of the right people, it tends to get, to get um, hidden back in the closet. And it happens, over, it becomes repetitive. It happens over and over again until something like this ha- of this magnitude happens. And the light comes on. When the light yeah. is on, that's when things changes because the world is looking at um, this particular county now, and you, yeah. you can't hide any longer because it was the small-time city of uh, Brunswick. They were they had control of everything. Well, now the state is involved, and they don't like outsiders. Now the federal government is involved. So now. Everything has to be wide open, and it's not going to look good in the end. Mm. Paul, um, you mentioned that you feel like this is a new civil rights. Um, explain that. How is it different? Well, how is it? That's new- a great question. Thank you for asking the question. Because I, you know, being around Congressman Lewis, I remember we would take road trips about 10, 15 years ago. And I would often know, would like to know, well, where are we going to eat? And John would say, well, you know, Dr. King, he used to always want to know where they want to eat on a road trip. And um, sometimes there were no cell phones. You would have to stop and put uh, money in the, phone, in the phone to just make a phone call. And the phones, certain places you couldn't even use the phone. So mm-hmm. things would go at a slower pace. Well, Today, something can happen within minutes. The world knows about it. So having that we have all of these luxuries in terms of getting information out, we ought to be able to resolve problems quicker because of all of the different 
luxuries we, luxuries we have in terms of uh, information to be able to make things happen a little bit faster. It, it shouldn't take 10 years to get a law passed. It shouldn't take, uh, you know, a long period of time. We, we, we should be on a problem right away, or right away trying to resolve it right away. That's the distinction between now and, and, and back then. I mean, we didn't have cell phones that we could record actual crime or actual injustice. Well, now we have all those things at the palm of our hands. We got to take advantage of them. When we identify something, you got to jump on it. I, I didn't wait until I know Rainbow Push is coming. I know Al Sharpton is coming. I already knew my, my associate Ben Crump is, was here. But I wanted to do something myself. I didn't need permission. I'm an entity with that, with, within myself. So all I have is God and myself. So Absolutely. I came. And I want other people yeah. to come. So that's the difference. Before it had to be planned out. Now all you have to do is get up and do something. And, and that's the example I want to give out to the world. I challenge all black men. And if you, black men, black brothers all over the country. If you see something wrong, you got to get up and make the right move. You don't get out. You don't get up and do the wrong move in terms of uh, doing something illegal. You have to outthink them. You have to, you have to play the game. You have to be informed about what's really going on. You got to go, you got to actually go there and see what's happening. Mm-hmm. You, you brought up a couple of good points there. I was just saying the other day, uh, I wonder what the sixties would have looked like if we had the technology that's available today, like what Dr. Martin Luther King, Malcolm X and, you know, SNCC and all those different, the Panther Party, like what they could have accomplished Absolutely. if they had access to Facebook, Instagram, Absolutely. yeah, cell phones with cameras on them. Like it would have been a whole different story because their heart and their passion and their knowledge of, of the law and their education levels were like off the charts. And another thing, I'm I'm looking at a situation where if we did not have the smartphones today, how much of this stuff would just be, he, he said, she said, and it would probably be more prevalent. Like, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, yeah, it. I'm thinking that this is, we're probably at the decline of some of these events happening, but it's still horrific because... One is too many. Well, but it's like I have to I have to disagree with you on the decline. It, the things are escalating, and it starts from the top. It starts from the top. Those two men, and I'll say this on the record: this is not off the record. Those two men felt deep down inside of their hearts that what they were doing, they were making number forty-five happy, because the head falls the tail. So if the head is, is, is promoting uh, hate on top of hate, it gives a person the likeness to think that they're doing the right thing when they just shoot an innocent black man down one o'clock in the day, broad daylight. So it's coming from the top. So if you analyze the KKK, they did most of their work in the middle of the night. You'd wake up the next morning a cross would be burned in your your yard. You wake up the next morning, it would be brothers hanging from a tree, burned. Now they're doing it in broad daylight. 
Now we're talking about one incident that happened here in Brunswick. You had incidents like this all over the country that happened. We just haven't heard about it yet. So things have escalated because during the civil rights, people were would throw a rock and hide sometimes. But now it's like they the, they're feel like they have the right to do what they're doing. So things are are getting worse by the by the hour. Well, I'm I'm saying that it probably declined in the sense in the number of actual incidents because if like we have cameras now, yeah. right? So if if the cameras weren't available to catch the cops doing what they're doing and everything else, it would be even more rampant. But the thing is, it was always like, hey, this guy reached for my gun and we just had to take it for what it was. I think they're a little bit more cautious of, of what they're doing. Um, you know, I think people are still doing it. I think they're Absolutely. still doing it. I think they're just a bit more cautious. Like who could possibly be recording me right now? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but by no means am I saying that, that racism has dissolved no, the climate is there, exactly. you know, and the thing exactly. is, whenever, whenever there's a situation where, you know, the economy goes into a recession, everybody starts to point the finger that it's somebody else's yeah. fault. We're running into an issue now where, you know, we're hearing that the wealthy are starting to cry out that, you know, we need to do something with the population. Yeah. You know, there's 7.9 billion people on the planet. A third of them are living off a dollar a day. They refer to them as useless eaters and something needs to happen. And uh, some of these people are blatant about saying these things. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, you get Joe Blow who can't rub two nickels together to think he's in a good old boys club. You know, and my thing is, if you can't pick up the phone and and call down to the bank and tell them to give you a 0% interest, you're not in the club. No, I agree. I agree. And even the gentleman that took this young man's life, they were not middle class for sure, but below that. And uh, it's just sad that. That's what's so interesting. Yeah. So question, Paul, you, you were active during the Trayvon Martin case. You have to be getting deja vu at this point. How similar is this incident and, you know, how, how similar is this incident to that? In Very nature? similar. I think they both were, were assassinated. Or their life were taken in February. Both young men, both unarmed. And uh, their life was just taken for a thought or a mindset. And it's, it's just sad. And the mm-hmm. same judicial system, appear, it appears off the bat that it's going to support the murderers and and we cannot allow that to happen um, we have to be diligent we have to be careful we have to, to stay on top of what's going on to let them know that we're not going to stand by and be quiet and not do anything and uh, we just have to we have to fight. We have to fight the right fight, the, the right way. In your opinion, Paul, what is that? What is that? Well, you know, a lot of people are angry. A lot of people, you know, the what's right is you don't. But I don't. You know, 
I don't think emotions help, no, not right? At all. Because not at all. Um, you can't fight hate no, with hate. No, so. exactly. The way you fight is the system. Instead of training our kids, well, I'm not going to say training, but encouraging our kids that the end-all, be-all is to, to go into the NBA, to play at the NFL, to uh, make a all-star baseball team. The way you change the system is one by one. The U.S. Senate is called the good old boys for a particular reason. It's, they're all multimillionaires. Well, no multimillionaire is going to be concerned about the issues that are going on in our neighborhoods. So the way we change it is, is through information. I commend you guys for what you're doing, your show. It's, it's awesome. You're informing people about things that normally they wouldn't even be able to to have privy to the information that we're talking about so so quickly. I'm here, you guys in Atlanta, and it's almost like you're, you're here uh, on top of things, but you're not. You'd have to go to another right. media platform. But getting back to the topic at hand, you have to just encourage all people to, to vote, not only vote, but to understand the magnitude of local government, to know that the DAs mm. that are running this case right now, or ruining the case right now, they were elected. You had, people had to vote them in. They're voting, and, and we pay their salaries. First and foremost, we need to know they're working for. They're, they're supposed to be working for us because they're using our tax dollars to to live a good life. So the way you change that, it would be a different story if this county were to bring in someone who has the interests of the black community uh, at, at best interest. You, you you need to make sure. We're getting people that think and look like us in the right positions, meaning you need more U.S. senators. You need more blacks on the Supreme Court. You need more state legislators. You need more black DAs. You need more black prosecutors. And that's how you change things. You can't change it begging and praying and marching. I mean, it's, it's always good to pray, but we have to take action. Very true. So it's really um, being involved on a oh, local absolutely. level. As people knowing yeah. officials, yeah. Um, you know, because a lot of people don't even know their local officials. Exactly. exactly. And yeah. that was a problem with this little so, small town here. The local people were doing whatever they wanted to do. And no one could, could say anything about it because... They have they have the whole system on lockdown. I mean, the mayor's cousins with the 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 the, the council person, the DA goes to church with uh, the other DA. They are all in cahoots, so it's a tight a tight circle, and they don't let anyone on the outside in, and they protect their own. That's the problem. That that circle has to be broken. That's how you change, break the circle. So let me ask you a question, Paul. Like, and, and I agree with everything you're saying. We we definitely have to one be more educated about how everything actually works. I think a lot of people all they know is about voting for the yeah. president, but don't realize that those other elections are probably more prevalent to have or more impactful to their lives. Let's put it that way. 
Um, but at, at the end of the day, self-government is always going to be best. But in a city like that, how do you really have that work for you as an African-American in a city where it's probably under 10% African-American? Well, that's a great question, Russ. I mean, I, I'm going to find out before I leave the ratio of blacks that live here. Um, you have to really know who you're, you know, a lot of times people live in neighborhoods and they don't even know who a council person is. They don't know who the mayor is. And guess what? If you get out and campaign, you're just as eligible as the next person to run. You got to get in the race. You got to get in the way. And a lot of times, you know, I've heard throughout my whole career, I don't care anything about politics. I don't get into politics. I'm like, well, did you turn your lights on today? They say, yeah. Did you turn the water on today? They say, yeah. I said, that's political. I mean, if you live in any jurisdiction, the water is governed by the, 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 the city that you live in. The lights are governed by, you know, everything is political. So how could you live in a life in, in a world or a place and you're not, you don't have any say-so on how you live? And that's really what it's all about, the quality of life. If you're standing on the sideline, the problem is we're too worried about Michael Jordan and, and who's going to win the next Super Bowl. We've got to stop that. The Super Bowl's not helping us in, in these kinds of situations. We got to know what's going on that, in our local community. You can say that one again. That is so we're worried about true. The and I know you're you're and, you're, and staying cast and yeah. you know we're worried about the wrong things. We got to worry about who who's representing you. Who's going who's going to take the garbage out? How how effective are the police going to react when you dial nine one one in your your neighborhood? That's what we have to be concerned about. You know the the tax. Yeah. Uh, rates in your, your county and your, your town. But we were so caught up into the, the housewives of Atlanta when that does nothing for your quality of life. Entertainment. That's true. Paul, yeah, Paul, do you think um, since all the social distancing um, that it has awakened um, the community? Oh, that's a question. As to... Well, y'all really want to talk to me about that because my, my, my theory is right, right, so far. I'm not. Yeah, there, there was no. I'm not sure. I'm not sure said... that. First of all, we don't know what's working and what what does not work. And I like to know who came up with the with the corn social distance distancing. I'd like to know who came up with that. It's more like physical distancing. <laughs> so my thing is, there are some stats to show. Some places did nothing and, and they don't have any problems. And then there are some places where people have done everything right and they still have problems. So I believe in following the guidelines, uh, following what the CDC advises us to do. But at the end of the day, we still don't, we, we don't have clarity on what, there's too many conflicting um, stories. I, we, I don't know what to say on that one. I don't know. Uh, all I can say is be as safe as possible, but we don't know if it's effective as 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 effective as we think it is. What do you think? Yeah, and and I think the question was more so directed at, the, at your statement. And, yeah, right? what you were saying, you were saying that we we 
have to limit Housewives of Atlanta. We have to limit who's going to win the Super Bowl. So my question was, do you feel like um, with us being at home, social distancing, um, has that quieted all of the noise um, of the world? And now we're yeah, awakening okay, I get it. to things that thank truly you, matter. Thank you for making that clear. Yeah, yeah I, I think now uh, it's an equalizer. Because the people that we praise so much are wondering when they're going to get, you know, able to do what they do. Um, it's a, it's a... Yeah. And like, what are they doing during this time? Which is important, you know, to because we do idolize a lot of people and we yeah. shouldn't. And um, so what are they doing during this time? to really um, highlight important issues that's going on in the world. Well, yeah, we have a different set of right excuse now. Excuse me, Russell, what would you say? I, I said, we actually have a different set of heroes right now. It's like, I'm looking at all the doctors and medical Nurses, workers, the teachers, yeah. you know, they're, they're having to step it up because of this. And, you know, people are, you know, I'm a big sports fan. I don't miss it because I don't, I'm not attached to it, right? But it's like, we're able to see now the things that were really causing us to thrive and and a lot of things that we took for granted. Like, we always complained that teachers were underpaid, you know? But, um, you know, like right now, if we're going to get out of this, it's the medical workers that are going to actually save our hide. But Back to back to the question, though, do you feel that, you know, us being quarantined, you know, people having to dig deeper and start to think deeper? Are we looking at these issues deeper? Will that have an impact on this? Changing the system. Like, say, during Trayvon Martin, it was a whole different set of circumstances. We did have sports and all these different things to distract us. So now we have less distractions. Will that impact and put more focus and more support? You know, I can't case. guarantee. I, I would hope. I would hope that things will change and people will see what's important, what's not important. And uh, we still. The, the sad part about this, Russell, as as all people and black people, we're still gonna have to struggle. It's kind of like that saying: when white America catches a cold, black America catches the pneumonia. So, uh, no doubt. So, Hopefully, as a people, we can understand all we really have is ourself and God. And we have to be more dependent on creating our own way. Not so much dependent on the government. Not so much depending on if the Hawks are going to win or if the Falcons are going to win. We have to really focus on getting ourselves together and, and create all the things that we depend on other people for. We need to do it ourselves. That's why I came down to to Brunswick. I'm like, hey, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to contribute. And I'm going to take what I've gathered and give yeah. it to other people. I'm going to talk to Ben Crump tomorrow. I'm going to talk to people like yourself and say, hey, we got we to gotta, we gotta step up our game. We, we have to, we can't depend on other people to do for us what we can do for ourselves. That is so true. Yeah. Paul, um, can you, being down there in Brunswick right now at this moment, um, can you just kind of tell us a little bit about what you learned about 
Ahmad as a person, his character, who he was? Have you talked to anyone today in the area? Well, yeah, I've, I've spoken to um, the lady at the hotel. She knew his mother, and she said that the family was just a nice church-going family. Just, you know, he was a typical uh, superstar football, high school football player. And he was basically a good kid, you know, um, just trying to find his way at the age of 26. And I don't know what he was actually doing with his life at the time in terms of employment or if he was enrolled in college. But it's just, you know, the atmosphere here, you can basically tell that it's a two, it's like a tell of two cities. There's, there's the white side of town and there's, there's the black side of town. It just so happened he got caught up in a neighborhood not known for being friendly to blacks. So to, to answer your question, he would, they were a, 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 a nice family trying to survive in America. And that's the most I can say. But it, it becomes more of a challenge when you live in an area like this opposed to being Atlanta where you see progressive black folks doing well and you see a black mayor, you see black city council members, you see uh, chief of staffs and chief of police and chief uh, fire departments look like you. So here it's a, it's a different ball game. So having said that, in all over the world, you're going to have different challenges based upon the jurisdiction that you're in. Now, if it was in Fulton County and something happened drastically like, like it happened here, things would, would, would go, not saying that it's perfect, but it would have a different kind of a spin. Um, you would feel like there's a higher probability that you're going you're gonna to be treated, you're going to have some fair treatment. But here, it's a little thick in the air that, that you're not even, you know, you're, you're kind of out of place. Short story, I think I shared it with Russ earlier. The uh, young lady at the front desk, she said, Paul, I just traveled to the laundromat yesterday. And there was a parking space, and it was a white gentleman with his door open. And there was one parking space, and a brother was trying to park his car. Well, long story short, the the white gentleman, well, I can't call him a gentleman, but the the, the, the Caucasian man refused to close his door even after the brother got out of the car to ask him politely to close the door. But the, 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 the Caucasian man ignored him as though he was not there. So this is the kind of climate that the people, what I gather has kind of adjusted to that kind of behavior. It hasn't, it hasn't. Like that. Excuse me. Yeah. It's like the unspoken hate, the unspoken is you that know, person. tension that's in the air. Different parts of the world is more heavier yeah. than others, you know, other places. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I learned that he was a nice family oh. guy and living in a difficult place to live for uh, an African-American. All right, Paul, um, what do you know about the legal team um, that's going to be representing... Well, I, what I do know that they're they're like experts. They they they've had a lot of experience, and 
you know, it's the same story, different uniforms, different balls, you know. And once the thing about when you when you do something over and over again, you can pretty much like when you go to the dealership and you can go uh, to, to, to purchase a car, you can go on a Saturday after the bank's closed. Well, the financial guy can look at your credit score. He's going off the back. Well, this is the kind of car you're going to be approved for without the bank even being around. Well, I have that kind of trust in Brother Merritt and, and Brother Ben Crump, who's a North Carolinian, not, didn't grow up not too far from where I am. There are experts. They can see what's going on before they even even get to the location. They can see lies uh, a mile away. So they're very equipped and very experienced, and, and I, I trust that um, they're going to do a very good job. That's awesome. Um, will you be following oh, the investigation? Absolutely. Will yeah, you I'm, be... a, I'm behind the scenes okay. kind of guy. So I... you'll be making some trips. Absolutely. I'm going to be very close. Uh, uh, and in fact, as soon as I get off the phone with you, you all, I will um, probably call my contact at Rainbow Push and report and call one of my contacts in New York to let them know that, hey, I need your help. It's time to come on down. You can't sit down. You got to get in the way. And you got to do all the things. This is the intellectual part about this. You have to do everything that they don't want you to do between the guidelines and not breaking the law. And what I mean by that is Mm -hmm. showing up, being consistent. Um, being at every hearing, um, emailing, writing letters. Letters are some of the most powerful voices that you could you could do, you could act upon, and most people don't know that. You want to send as many letters to the DA's office, to the governor, to uh, U.S. Attorney's office. You want to you want to voice your opinion, and those are the things they don't want you to do. They they want you to be worried about. The, the NFL football season. You know, we, we got a call for the job. Right. They have a good life, man. Most people don't know. A DA can bring home, in an area like this, he can bring home one sixty two hundred thousand dollars a year. That's good living. You know? Mm-hmm. He's, and he's getting paid right now. Even when you recuse, you still get paid. Now, I'm talking about the dollars and cents. There's free cars. There's all kinds of other freebies. You get the best health care. You get the best everything. Mm. But then you turn around and don't value a brother's life. And it's in the first rodeo. This has happened many times. But it's about to come to light. Mm. They're, they're nervous right about now. We have, to, we have to keep all foot on the gas pedal. And you, I commend you all for what you're doing because you are shedding light on something that has been dark for a very, very long time. Yep. Hey, Paul, you, you, you just touched on something big that when you mentioned the letters, um, I was also on the run with a mod website and, you know, anybody out there that's interested in supporting, which I, I would actually tell everybody to, go on there and follow some of the videos and so forth that are on the website. It's run with a mod. Um, it's uh, once again, his name is uh, spelled a H M a U D. It's run with a mod.com. And you know, his, 
his high school coach and the coach's brother, who's an attorney, are actually running that site and posting a lot of videos. There's some petitions and so forth that they're putting out there. They're telling you who to call and they're putting the phone numbers on the site exactly. as well. So some good information. Exactly. People get in the way to the world. Get in the way. Do something. Do something positive. Nothing negative. Mm. We don't need any negative light shown. We need positivity. Yeah. And I think that's um, the way to change is shedding light and getting that light shown in darkness. Yeah. So, so Paul, we definitely want to, uh, we, we want to continue to be a platform for you to, you know, continue to speak and tell us what you're seeing out there on the front lines. So whenever you're ready to come back, just give me a call. My brother will I definitely do this I'm again. I'm here for you. Anytime you need me, let me know. I'm, I'm always a phone call away, and I enjoyed it. I've enjoyed every second of it. Yeah, we definitely appreciate you um, taking some time, uh, you know, just while you're there. That's what's important because it puts us there as well. Um, and that's the connection that, that we like to have. Paul, um, just at this moment, at this time on the podcast, what would you say is the deepest matter of your heart right now, being in Brunswick, Georgia, talking to us about this uh, very um, controversial case that's going on that's, you know, all over America right now? What's the matter of your heart? What is the thing that you want everyone to know about this? You know what? what I, that's a great question. Thank you. What I want people to know is that change can start with you. Stop waiting for Don Lemon. Stop waiting for the president. Stop waiting for other people to do something. You have to step out and do something yourself. And, 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 and everything you do from a positive point of view makes a difference. If it's not, You don't even have to know the mother if you just send good energy her way or write her a letter or mm. like I said, write the DA, you know, do something that's effective, complaining and, and sitting around crying. That doesn't help. So my thing is, is to, to, to move, do something positive in the area of helping the situation. And if you don't know what to do, you can call me. You can call someone that doesn't, that, that, that knows what you need to do to help, you know, and, and you don't have to be here physically to help. If you see an old lady that needs to get, to, to get across the street, help that person, you know, help them because it comes back. Yeah. It does. It really does. Paul, what is one book uh, you can recommend to our listeners? Um, it could be on this topic. It doesn't have to be. It's whatever you feel would be a great read for our you listeners know, I like, and why. Um, John H. Johnson's book, Against All Odds. And he is the founder of Ebony Magazine. And he basically borrowed $500 from his mom. I think the mother uh, put her furniture up for sale. And he just puts, you know, one-on-one business on how anyone can take something and build an empire. Anybody can be their own business person. And I, and I preach everywhere I go 
that hey, if a, if a company is paying you a hundred thousand dollars a year, and most people think that's a good job, and that is, that's pretty good. That's that's a decent living, six figure. You can walk around all day and say I make six figures. Well, always know that if you may, if they paying you a hundred thousand a year, you're helping that company make two million. So, mm-hmm. we all have something in us where we can create everything that we need. And I like the book because John Johnson put it out there. He puts it out that you can do almost anything you want to do. A lot of times we don't have we don't have that kind of uh, information to know that you can create your own. You know, Donald Trump is no smarter than most people. Bill Gates, he's, you know, we know Russia and I, we talk about him. He's, he, they, all of this is ap- opportunities that they have that we don't or with, that we haven't had. So we can create our own some kind of way. Yeah. And we have to teach our children that as well, that they oh, can yeah. do and be anything they you know, want to be as well. Why go up and buy Linux Mall, mm-hmm. the things you buy, you can create it yourself. I know that's that's kind of far fetched, but yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Why why not create your own shoe instead of wearing Nikes, Adidas? You can create your own. That is yeah. so true. Hey, Paul, just the wrapping up here. There was something you said earlier in reference to, you know, how most of these senators and so forth are millionaires, and that you know the system is kind of it's kind of stacked against those who have less right in in the words of claude anderson he talks about black people in america he states that black people are trapped at the lowest level of a real life monopoly game that we're the only group of people that started off this game with no money and anybody knows the game of monopoly if you start the game with no money you don't have too many choices you're gonna land on somebody else's property you're gonna hit go to jail and you got to pay those taxes. So it's like, it, it's real. It's like, you know, reparations is always, you know, on the forefront of a black agenda, but, you know, chances of it happening, we're probably not going to see it in our lifetime, if ever. But it's like, we, we do have each other. There's a lot of money that goes through the hands of black people in this community. I think a lot of the money's just fragmented. And I think and if you look, most of the police brutality cases, those particular cases are normally committed against lower income people. I think they know who to target. If they feel that you can get representation, they're less likely to mess with you. And you don't see this stuff happening in Asian or Indian communities, you know, because they have an economic base, you know, and they have strong communities. Our problem is that we're fragmented. You know, we have a ton of money. There's trillions of dollars that go through the black community. You know, and it's not just the athletes and the entertainers. We have tons of doctors, lawyers, engineers, and, you know, people who earn a great living here in this society. But we're too much into this rugged individualism that we picked up in our sojourn here. We left our communal type nature which existed back in the 70s. Even in my neighborhood, we grew up, we were poor, but we had each other. Like if, if we, all we had in our refrigerator was milk, we couldn't go knock on Miss Mary's door and, and barter our milk to get butter. And we could barter, bar, barter our milk to go get sugar or bread. 
and ultimately we could create a meal and other people in the neighborhood did as well. Crime was low. No one broke in your house. You could leave your door open. Not that there was much in there to take anyway, but you could leave your door open and you could trust people because we looked out for one another. And I think that's something that we have to get back to. Um, Paul, was there anything else you wanted to well, share thank you before guys for the opportunity. wrap up? Thank you for the opportunity, and uh, it makes me feel good that I can share my experience today, and that that it was not in vain. That that someone was enlightened, and that they will be inspired to do something to to help the cause. It's, it's all about helping each other reach their destiny. Definitely. Definitely. We appreciate appreciate your time and we appreciate your efforts out there on the front line fighting for everybody. Well, thank you. Man, and fighting for justice. I look forward to hearing from you guys soon. The best show Definitely in look forward to hearing from you. The best show in <laughs> so this has been another episode of Matters of the Heart and Soul podcast. Uh, this podcast is inspired by all things of the heart and soul. We talk about love, God, relationships, spirituality, justice, which was an episode today, um, culture, family, children, finances, freedom, personal growth, energy and vibrations, universal principles, health, education, masculine and feminine energy, music, and just every other topic that falls in heart and soul. Um, This podcast, this mission is to connect our hearts with our minds and to be a platform to grow and learn together. Thank you for having me. Thank you again. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right. We'll talk to you guys later. Thank you.